Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by SeatGeek. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Thursday, January 17th. A little bit of news happening in Notre Dame. Autry Denson, Notre Dame's running backs coach for the last four seasons, four or five? Four seasons, I believe, has, is um, is moving on as a head coach to Charleston Southern, an FCS program. And, of course, uh, that means that Notre Dame needs a successor to him. And we also had the news about Chip Long and uh, a little dalliance with Alabama for the second straight year. So we'll talk about that. But let's first of all talk about Autry Denson and him landing the job at Charleston Southern. I think it's a, a win for all parties. It's probably the best way to describe that. I think when there's coaching staff turnover, the the immediate sort of reaction among fans is, oh, no, this is a step back for the program. I, I think it gives Notre Dame a, a, a huge opportunity for a step forward. Um, I think Autry Dudson was a very, very good position coach and did not deliver on the recruiting front at all. And that you can't have, of all the positions on your staff, to have a recruiter that, isn't delivering running back coach might be the worst one. You know, you could get away with your offensive line coach not being a very good recruiter because, like, I think Harry Heastan's recruiting reputation is um, we just see the the input of guys that came, but in terms of a guy who get out and sort of grind on the trail, that I'm okay if your offensive line coach doesn't do that. Jeff Quinn actually does, but your running back coach that has to be absolutely yeah. essential. I think that's where Notre Dame can make, take a big step forward. And I and I think you know what we don't keep in mind when we say like recruiting, you think just recruiting running backs. Yeah, that's but not. No, it no. Go, it go it goes beyond that, especially when you're recruiting a, a an area where there's a, a wealth of football talent. I mean, I did a story on Denson, and the results on the field are outstanding, and it's remarkable when you break down the recruiting. And I went and I made sure I called Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair and I talked to Pete. Who did he have a hand in? You know, because you said the running back situation. It's yeah. not only running backs. There was not a whole lot that he right. had a hand in. And, of course, the running backs he brought in, the highest rated running back he has brought in is Tony Jones, which decently rated running back, actually, and he's a pretty good college football player. But that... But he's a complimentary piece. He is point. a complimentary piece. And that and when you think of what he actually inherited, Audrey Denson, and he did look, there's no he did a great job with what he inherited, so we shouldn't right. we, we have yeah. to make sure we illustrate that. He inherited he never got to coach him, but he inherited Greg Bryant, Terry and Fulston, who got hurt. Josh Adams, Dexter Williams. CJ Procise, which we should give a lot of credit to yeah. Audrey Denson for sure. developing. Well, and I, and but I this think... is a lot of talent that was there. The talent he has left behind is not on paper, we don't know. A lot of these guys haven't played it down of, of football yet, so we can't say that they are not good football players. But they're not highly thought of players, which most likely means they're not all going to be good like all the guys he inherited right. were, if that makes I sense. I mean, how often when a head coach takes a new job or you know someone's fired or let go or moves on, we describe it as like they left the job better than they found it. I, w- I wouldn't describe the running back room at all in those terms yeah. with Autry Denson's yeah. departure. Uh, I've been using it. I've been saying fifty straight games of fumble. Is that is it's, that right? Uh, it dates back to no. It can't be. No, it's it's, it's in the forties. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know where I got that number from. But might I mean, be 40 it's forty. Games, though. It's it might be forty. Yeah, third actually, to last it might game be, of fifteen. It might, and that's yeah. ridiculous. That's, that's great. That's yeah. unbelievable. We're, no one in any way is you can't really I impeach mean, anything he did on the field. He did a great job with yep. those guys. Yeah. He really. I mean, he made Josh Adams, and Josh Adams deserves credit in the offensive line. Obviously, the offensive <laughs> line. But if you don't have a good offensive line, these guys don't run well. So just putting it at the running back position. Look, Josh Adams was not predicted to be what he became, right? 
He he was a guy who no. like well, especially coming off ACL. I yeah, mean. he's the he would have finished. He might have beaten Autry Denson's all time rushing record had he returned. Mm-hmm. And then look at the season he's had in the NFL. I mean, that just shows you what kind of just flat out ability he has. Dexter was a late bloomer. I don't put a lot of that on Denson. I put more of that on Dexter Williams. I mean, some of it would be on the coach yeah. too, but that's. I mean, you know, you know you, yeah. you, we blame and give credit, and yeah. I think yeah. you got you have to try to do that equally. Uh, I think Jafar. I mean, look at Jafar yeah, Armstrong. Now Jafar Armstrong is a guy that. He's a very strong-willed kid, and he's gonna—you know—he's mm-hmm. gonna make himself a good football player. But you think about—he was a receiver at, at this time last year, and he scored two touchdowns in the opener against Michigan. He's going to be a very good running back. He won't be the breakaway guy that that Dexter Williams was, but I think he's going to be a very good college running back. And to be fair, again, to go back to CJ Procise, I mean, the kid hadn't played running back really, and Audrey Denson in his first year took what was supposed to be his fourth, third-string running back, Josh Adams' fourth string, I guess. Third string running back and made him into a heck of a running back for one year. So that was yeah, that I mean, was a really good, really good offensive line. <laughs> oh, you, but we were, well, there's no yeah. such thing as a good running back without a good offensive line either. In I, terms of coaching, yeah, though, you no, can't I coach a guy that's did, average. He did a good job with pro size. I think that, um, behind Stanley McGlinchey, Nick Martin. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, and but... Quentin Nelson with Will Fuller t- keeping a defense honest and a NFL quarterback. Like your running back should be pretty good regardless of who is. I mean, even Josh Adams came in at the end of the year when Process went down with yeah. like a shoulder concussion combination. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and Adams was really good back then. I mean, as a true freshman, he was dynamic. Second best um, freshman running back so, in program history. Yeah. yeah, the problem is like as Priester is describing Jafar Armstrong. That's the that's their best guy. Yeah, that is, yeah. and that goes back to why I was pumping Andre Denson up for his coaching ability. That is the problem now. I think he's going to be really good next year. Now you know now, Dex. You know again, Dexter Williams explosive in the snow. Josh Adams. You know I don't know. I think yeah. I think he'd be really. I think he will be really good next year. And I give most of that credit to Jafar Armstrong being the kid that yeah. he is. I do want to say this about Andre Denson. I'm happy he's at Charleston Southern. I think that it it's a it's a Christian school. It's considered one of the best. Christian schools in the country, at least among those that play football. I think that's a good fit for him. I think the FCS level is the good fit for him as a head coach because, quite frankly, I, I think major college football and everything that goes along with it, I think, offends his yeah. senses and Christianity. Does that make any sense? No, I, I agree mm-hmm. with what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, and I don't want to uh, not give him enough credit, but... You know the world of major college football when you're competing for FBS championships is 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 volatile and cutthroat. And to put like a finer point on what he's left behind the recruitment, it, we're we're not saying all these guys aren't going to work out, but when you have six somewhat low-rated running backs, it's so much less likely that three will become very good than if you had six extremely highly-rated running backs. That's the only way to say that it's it's a numbers game. He didn't accumulate a lot of talent that we know of. I guarantee you one of these guys ends up being very good. It's yeah. the rest. I mean, look, yeah. it's like as long as Chip Long is here, they're going to try to average 40 carries a game. So someone's going to get those yeah. carries. Yeah. That that doesn't mean. And the O-line's going to get better next yeah. year. And so, yeah, it goes hand in hand. That well, doesn't mean you couldn't have a guy getting 1,500 yards instead of 900 yards is what you're right. saying. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like I, I look at Josh Adams uh, 2017. I think if you had taken any of the top 20 run back, running backs in college football, they would have done the exact same thing <laughs> as Josh Adams. And that's not a slight on Josh Adams right. at all. I just think that if you have an offense that's committed to the run and you have a good offensive line, you're going to have a running back that runs for twelve to 1,300 yards. It's just a matter of who it is. His backup did average 9.2 yards a carry, exactly. so that, there's some validity. Yeah, to the no doubt. No doubt. Uh, 
you know, some of the names we've thrown out, and, and, and Pete, I know that, I think it, it was last week where you felt like that this was going to be, it was going to be wrapped up pretty quickly. They were going to make a decision pretty quickly. I'm not sure that I'm getting a sense of that mm-hmm. right now, because I'm not sure where they are with the interview process. However, I don't think that there's a, I mean, what's the great sense of urgency? What would there it be for? There, there really isn't one. The signing date is not what the signing date used to be because the, virtually the entire class or maybe the entire class has already been signed. Spring football doesn't start till March. Uh, I'm, I I don't know that there's a great sense of urgency there for them to get this done no, right away. I mean, it's, it might as well be, we might as well be doing this podcast on February 15th well, other as than, it relates to the recruiting calendar Other than now. the fans want to know, who's it going to be? Yeah, and I'm just like, it's just not that big of a deal. Um, you know, they'll get a good running backs coach. Um, you know, I I was talking to somebody in the goo two days ago, and he said that they've had multiple Power Five running back coach reach out to them, some of them who have never been to South Bend, don't know a damn thing about it, but it's a really attractive job. They should put um, the Joe Morrow word right in front when they walk in. Say, just just get some dudes and run do, behind that. Yeah, it's, it's not here anymore. I don't know if you're... It, <laughs> it, it got shipped over. They took it away? They took it away. There's only one of them. That thing's way too big to yeah. take away. That yeah, no, they had a big to-do about it. Um, but Notre Dame is 22-4. and four. It should be easy to attract a good position coach as long as you're willing to recruit your butt off. Um, and from all indications I get from inside the Goog that they have had no shortage of people reach out to them about the position. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that's true. And that, I mean, that's it's frequently like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I th- there. Well, I mean, after you go four and eight, it's not. But like, I think in this instance, no. But I'm thinking, it be good. yeah, I'm thinking last year with offensive line coaches, which. We didn't think that they would hire Jeff Quinn. We had some other names on the list who right now I can't remember what those guys' names are. But uh, We couldn't remember the yeah. coaching search from uh, a couple of head coaching searches ago. We're like, wait, who, who else is up the place? Yeah. Here, here's how I would, I would phrase those two things. Because like, I think that Jeff Quinn, like the stature of Jeff Quinn and who they hired, or the other three candidates who was a guy at Wisconsin, um, I think the Boston College, Colts, and Justin Fry, the, he was now at UCLA. I think the running back candidates, like, let's say they have four candidates for it. I think all four will be more renowned than all four offensive line coach candidates. Well, that's probably true. And the four that we've thrown out, Curtis Looper was who you ref. Did you ever say that out loud last week? No, I don't know. I don't know if I did. Uh, you, probably, five, you probably didn't, but that was I something I saw you that, credit me on your message board. I did. Yes, <laughs> yes I did. Uh, <laughs> Uh, For your well, main description you, of a power five. Well, we, we just we weren't we weren't right. we didn't feel comfortable <laughs> right. just yeah. saying TCU Curtis Looper, but that's Denson that, was still employed. At that's Notre what Dame yes at that he point, was exactly uh, Curtis Looper Charles Huff from Mississippi State, which we understand was a name that was on Brian Kelly's radar when he hired Autry Denson, uh, Tony Alford, of course, who was in Notre Dame and now at Ohio State, and Mike Hart. Which I really get a kick out of people <laughs> reacting because he's a Michigan running back, and if you did, if you were biased like that against every coach and where he played, you, you, your your pool would really be limited. You better hate Notre defensive line. Yeah, I don't care about <laughs> where Why did they ever hire Mike Elston. I know, like, God. yeah, I, I I don't care where Mike Hart went no. to school. It shouldn't play a role. I get some people, you know, questioning whether if Michigan comes calling, he would leave, but the running backs coach at at Michigan as a very near and dear close relative of Jim Harbaugh, so I don't see that happening anytime yeah. soon. Um, so, I mean, that's just the way it is. Will Will the choice come from that list of four? 
I'm I'm a little more skeptical now than when I put the list out because the sense of urgency is not very great right now, and that allows for an expanded list. And Pete, in accordance with what you're saying, there's been no shortage of inquiries from other yeah. coaches. So it could go on for a little longer. I wouldn't panic if you were a fan because there just is no real reason for a sense of urgency to get that done right now. No, it's, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys are the same way. It's like people that we know texting you about the running backs coach, and I'm just like, it's just not. It's not. It's not that interesting. To well, me. because of, to, like, because of what not. because of what we do and where you yeah. work now, yeah. your sense yeah. of urgency yeah, is true. not as that's great. That's a good point. Uh, whereas we have to answer every question yesterday. No, but it's just like it's not like the offensive line coach. I thought was a incredibly critical hire last year. Certainly, every coordinator hire is critical. Um, I think Terry Joseph was. A, a really important hire last year. We didn't realize how important it was. I think the running back coach, whoever they get, will be really good. And you, it's it's not going to be a well. This this was the best one, or this guy's this guy's terrible, or they really settled. Like, I think they'll hire a really good running back coach. And like, if it's Looper or Huff or Alford or Hart, I mean, I think you could talk all all four of those would have. Their their pluses yeah. that would outweigh any any real minuses. I think whether it's one of those four or somebody else, we can be we can be rest assured that he will be a good recruiter. Yes, oh, one hundred percent. And, and I mean, that that and, and I mean I, that I want people to know that like the concerns about recruiting with Audrey Denson aren't just like on this podcast no, or on not a message, message board. Things, yeah. They're in the offices yes. of the Goog. You know that that was a discussion that was going on in the goo all year about the, the recruiting at running back and just sort of like that position delivering more. So that's is your concerns are Brian Kelly's concerns, and that's probably the one of the few times that's actually true. And I can say our <laughs> listeners' concerns are the same as Brian Kelly. Uh, I mentioned Chip Long at the top, and I think we'll just go ahead and save him to go into the second segment because we have a couple questions about that. We can get deeper into that. I do want to mention. Uh, DJ Morgan is transferring. DJ Morgan obviously was not a prominent player uh, for Notre Dame and wasn't going to be. Uh, and we do have a question on on uh, other potential transfers, and we'll address that then. But um, I give the kid a lot of credit. He got his degree, or he's going to he get will. his. Yeah. De- he's yeah. going to get his degree, so he's not just going to leave. Um, he's not going to be a prominent player. It helps Notre Dame out. It helps himself out. He gets a degree. I think it's a win win situation. Yeah, he's going to through the summer. He has to. Probably must be two must be two summer classes because otherwise he'd probably just load up and finish mm-hmm. in the spring. But he's going to finish in the summer, and we did get a question. He's not going to take part in spring practice, I mean, right? Well, yeah, of course, not, of course no. not. But um, yeah, so he can spend time looking for his new destination with two right. years two years of eligibility. So that's good, and we know that you know Nordame has to trim down the the roster. It's becoming more manageable. We'll get into some other possibilities in the second segment. Um, because they do, they're at eighty-eight. What? What do you? What? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid, mid mid-year freshmen. They are here. Thank you. Uh, Ten of them. They have their numbers assigned. Um, I put that in Thursday thoughts, and I was going to like try to comment on it. It's like, no, I have no comment here. There's just the, num- <laughs> the numbers. These yeah. are the numbers. I could I could give you former players that uh, wore this number. Fifty-five blah, blah. on nope. Lacey. I know that's his regular number, so I'm used to seeing it. Will look good though. That's You're a good. Right that? That's a good interior. Number, I think right? Hunter Spears ninety. Ooh, to 90. me, that works. Kind of round. Uh, you know, uh, not yeah. Now Safa Mensa needs a single digit number to be more menacing. Has a Pass rusher, I think. Got to get rid of that 18. He has like 18. A, get him like seven, right? Uh, uh, Bramlett, yeah. the punter, is 19. Quinn Carroll, 77. 
Zeke Corral, 52. Jack Kaiser, 24, which is kind of a weird number for a linebacker. <laughs> but uh, Andrew Kristoffic, 73. Jacob Lacey, 55. Nana is 18. Uh, John Olmstead is 71. Spears is 90. And Kyron Williams is 23. As long as you don't give a running back 25, I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah, Just I hear you. 23, I think, fits Kyron Williams. Sure, I, Pete. You like right? that? Why not? See, you know these yeah. numbers and face masks matter, right? Yeah. If you don't get the right face See, mask and the right numbers, this is why I just put good. the numbers yeah. out there. There's nothing really to say about it. But anyway, a lot of people want to know that. We, we've had it on our website. but uh, I was always numbers person when I was younger. The, you have to look cool in your number. My good friend was a face mask guy. Like if you have a, like a dorky-looking face mask, you can't be good at yeah. football. Was yeah. like, Jerry Rice had a pretty normal face mask. He's like, yeah, he's no good. Ah. <laughs> but I, I was the numbers guy, and he was the face mask guy. All right, we'll be back. Segment two, bunch of questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Irish Illustrated listeners get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code IRISH today. That's promo code I-R-I-S-H for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Question from Irish Fire Captain. Who do you believe is the front runner for the running back coach job? I've heard Hart, Alford, and Looper are not on the short list. Can you confirm or refute what I've heard? Uh, I think that, I mean, Looper is a guy that would have a lot of support on the coaching staff. But when I say that, I don't, I don't mean get. Brian Kelly. Like, ultimately, like, it's Brian Kelly's decision. And I I don't have a lot of insight into Brian Kelly's thought process on this, to be, to be perfect. But honest. Looper may be a tough get for Notre Dame. He has a lot of support yeah. on his current coaching staff, too. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, here's what the, the, the buzz that I hear on Looper is that he would be interested. Um, talking to somebody who knows him... Uh, professionally, is like was a little surprised that that was a name. Um, like, like is that guy a great fit at Notre Dame? I'm not really sure, but an accomplished coach, um, a good recruiter, maybe not a great recruiter, but a good one. Um, but at TCU, he is he is very well respected by Gary Patterson, who leans on him in a in a way. It would be like sort of hiring, um, you know, Mike Elston in some ways, in terms of, like, he, his level on the TCU He's staff. really got a, a really kind of a fascinating background, you know. I mean, he, he was a running back at Oklahoma State, and his, he had a couple of teammates by the name of Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders. Uh, he was the number two rated. He didn't beat them out. He did not no, beat them no. out because Curtis, the reason, I mean, <laughs> Curtis Looper, that's the first time we've ever really heard his name or that yeah. we're aware of anyway. Uh, but so he was, he, he played there. He left. To enter the Army as an air traffic controller, came back and played college football for Stephen F. Austin at age 27. Yeah, I love that part of it. Yeah, style. so, I mean, it's really, he's really kind of a, a, a neat character. We'll, I mean, we'll see with that. We don't, at this stage, we don't think Tony Alford is coming back to Notre Dame. And we, I mean, it's way kind too, of pretty just, adamant that he's not coming it's back. It's way too complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think if... I think the way I wrote that is, like, in a vacuum, that would be a really good hire, but we don't live in a vacuum. Yeah. There's just too much past. So, and, it's and, not but, you, it's me. It's both you and me. Yes. Yeah. Right. And the reason, here. I mean, the reason we included him was because he knew he had an interest. And right. since he had been there, it was a possibility. But 
you know, when he left, it wasn't a real good situation going to Ohio State. And, uh, no. you know, I think Brian Kelly was very happy about that. And so that, you know, it's funny because Kelly gets Kelly gets criticized for hiring, you know, from the good old boy network. But then if he were, you know, people want him to bring Al- Alfred back um, and he should just, you know, forget everything that happened to him going to Ohio State. So uh, that that's not going to happen. Mike Hart is the youngest of the group. The former Michigan running back. He's been at Syracuse. He's been at. He's at Indiana. It's kind of hard to measure a running back coach at those two places, at least when he was at Syracuse, because Dino Babers hadn't put his mark on the running game at Syracuse yet. So if you look at the numbers of the running game at Syracuse and Indiana, Indiana throws it a whole bunch. Um, you know, I mean, they they don't really reflect well on him. So. I don't. I don't know that any of us right now have another name to add to that list. Uh, so here we are. <laughs> I mean, I do, you know, again, I just thought there's not a great sense of urgency to do it, other than outside of the Goog, and I don't think anyone outside of the Goog is going to dictate the the, the timing no. of this. So uh, there we are. ND zero two five eight seven six. What is the current vibe around Chip Long? Some have suggested. This is not a big deal, something that is part of big-time college football, but now everyone knows he has his ears open for a better offer. Is this a viable situation for him to coach and recruit in? Well, so, see, a lot of people say, well, that's going to hurt him recruiting. Man, guys are on the move all the time. Guys are looking at jobs all the time. Do you really think, you know, here's a here's a high school senior trying to, or in many instances still juniors trying to make a decision. Do they? you really think that in all the things they have to consider, including whether their girlfriend's happy that day at school, you know, that they're looking at, uh, oh, wow, Chip Long visited Alabama. The only I mean, guys I just that remember that are already that, signed. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really don't think, I mean, just on the surface, I don't think that that's a big issue. No, I, I think it's underneath. It's also not a big issue. Like, <laughs> on all levels, that's not a big issue. I mean, it, and I think the notion that it's going to undercut him as a recruiter, I think, is ridiculous. I think also the fact that Notre Dame would some be sell be selling like, hey, our offensive coordinator is, has interest from Alabama is also ridiculous. Like, I don't think those kids give a crap about that either. Um, it just as long as he he's back and has kind of a healthy professional relationship with his boss, that's really the only thing that matters. The fact that he can manage up, like the recruiting aspect of it, is is totally fine. Because um, I I just. The prospects out there, you would be surprised how little they care about the same things, about the things we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> well, it's also not Brian Kelly. I mean, then prospects could care, and it will be used forever. On, maybe it would be used next year in the recruiting trail. If Brian Kelly was caught interviewing <laughs> like that, <laughs> caught interviewing again, that would be a big deal. So, it's not yeah. the same thing as a coordinator. No, it's, I mean, Chip Long will be the longest tenured offensive coordinator under Brian Kelly in year three. <laughs> so, like, coordinators change all the time. Like, do you think at Alabama... That's really hurt their recruiting, that they keep losing their coordinators. Well, and that's why I want to say we live in this Notre Dame vacuum where we think that they're the only ones that are ha- that have to deal with coaching changes. It is happening everywhere and with greater frequency at many places than at Notre Dame. But we, well, we're in a Notre Dame vacuum and we're only looking at, at the, running the, backs the moves. Coach. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now <laughs> the running backs coach and, and Chip Long a little bit. But I think it's like Nick Saban would be like, you only have to replace your running backs coach. <laughs> that sounds incredible. God, no kidding. <laughs> uh, Fourteen you know, analysts can do that. I mean, you have to. Chip Long's from Birmingham. I mean, you, you've 
I think there's an understanding. We'll get into the second question because I don't, and Samson, I think, has a stronger opinion on this next question than I do. But I mean, I, I just, I think that, I think Brian Kelly understands that Chip Long's from Birmingham and he also understands Alabama's Alabama. Not that, not that it's okay for him to, to leave the program for Alabama, but I, I just, I, I think that head coaches, and in this instance, Brian Kelly's a little bit more open-minded about this situation with Alabama. Now, I say that, and I'll ask the next question, which is from at BDMJ55, have you heard any friction between Coach Kelly and Chip Long? Yes, but right. I think there's friction between Brian Kelly and everybody because that's just how, that's the nature of the head coach. At this coach t- especially at this time of the year when yeah. guys are... And as I said on a previous, like just last week's podcast... Brian Kelly, I think, is a great head coach to work for 98% of the time. And then 2% of the time, there's some friction or tension or creative differences. And he's the head coach, and he gets to tell you how to do your job. But just because there's some friction doesn't mean they can't work together. I If there, like, if there wasn't friction, that you know where there wasn't friction with? Brian Kelly and Paul Longo, or Brian Kelly and Brian Van Gorder. How did that work out? Not great. Like, I would rather have the head coach have hands-on with his assistants and say, after the Clemson game, basically, like, that sucked, not good enough, get it together. And that doesn't mean Chip Long needs to hear that. But, like, if the head coach is just like, eh, it's fine, you know, they're, you know. But it's like, we we're just on one guy, it would have been fine. He was, I mean, we were talking about before we went on the air, as you watch the the TV version of the game, as, as the game goes on in the second half, you see Brian Kelly getting angrier and angrier and angrier because he realizes that he just had another opportunity and they're getting their butts kicked. You know? Yeah, and, that's, a hard, that's a stark right, reality, right. man. And, and, you know, I coached high school baseball for 10 years, and, and I you don't get along with your coaches all the time because you're in volatile situations at times. That's just the nature of competitive athletics, especially at the level that they're dealing with, with with as much as is at stake in those games. So, Do you think Nick Saban and his coordinators ever had friction <laughs> when they were playing a game? Well, it's a, I mean, what? if you're, like, it's been a while since I worked in, like, a newsroom, but, like, even when we were at Blue and Gold together, like, when you're on deadline, there's a are creative saying, tension there. Are you, like, are you saying I got pissed at deadline? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, like... You get pissed off, you yell at each other, and then the deadline passes or the game ends, and then you're like, all right, all right let's workshop yeah. that and figure it out. Because that's like, it would be one thing if, if this question was, is there fic- will there be friction between Brian Kelly and Chip Long on January 27th when they have a staff meeting? That's different than was there friction between Brian Kelly and Chip Long on December 29th immediately after the Cotton Bowl? In other words, what we're saying is they're still on the same page. Yes. And that's really all that that matters. And very irresponsible for some uh, websites out there reporting about this without any knowledge of the relationship between these two guys, which is why you should subscribe to Irish Illustrated. (laughs) (laughs) At Matt S. Rogers. Thoughts on the possibility of Robert Hainsey moving to center and Josh Lugg to right tackle. That would get the most talented players on the field, and Trevor Ruland remains valuable as the next man in on the interior. Well, provided that Josh Lugg proves that he's one of the five best offensive linemen, which he hasn't done at this stage. Now, he's very early in his career. He still has three years of eligibility remaining, but he has that's up to Josh Lugg. Right. 
Um, I, right now, I would say that Trevor Rulin's one of the five best offensive linemen in Notre Dame, and he's certainly the best center at Notre Dame. So, it's you know, I, 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 you've he, invested two years in Hainsey at yeah, right tackle. The Hainsey movement comes from being an undersized tackle when he goes pro. He would have trouble with that position. And at center, he would not be as undersized. Mm-hmm. That is not Brian Kelly and Jeff Quinn's chief concern. I'd put Lug at center before I move Hainsey. I, I think it's – we also talked about Hainsey at center before his freshman year, and it's been – during his freshman year, and it's mm-hmm. been a movement since then on message boards. And it was probably create now that there's like an opening, it's probably it – was, it was pointless when Sam Musker was there. He was clearly not moving. Well, now there's the perceived hole of center. I just don't think the staff sees it as a whole. I think if Trevor Rulon's healthy, they think they have a one-year guy until their young, talented centers take over the following year. I liked Robert Hainsey as a center before he showed up. But since then, he's developed a right tackle, yeah. and like you know, it's, there's there's too much as you guys are saying. There's just too much invested in that. Yeah, you know what? Now, now hear, me out, hear me out before point, hear me he out before you react to this because when I say the name, <laughs> I I I I liken Trevor Rulin to Mike Golick Jr. I like they both play with an extremely wide base. I think they're both technicians. I thought Mike Golick Jr. absolutely deserved to start. Uh, when he was when he became a starter, his fifth year senior, yeah, right, yep. and and I and I think Trevor Rulin is that kind of player. I think it certainly at right now he's one of the five best offensive linemen. If he has to be center, then I think they're I think that's fine. Your point on Lug is what people really need to listen to because they had chances to get the talented Josh Lug in the games this year. They lost their starting guard. And they did not have a great. But they, like and I, they benched their other guard. But like Eichenberg, he wasn't ready. Right. Now, like Eichenberg wasn't in 2017. Glad you bring that up because Eichenberg last spring also wasn't ready, according to Eichenberg. When he was all of a sudden in the middle of the spring, something clicked and he's like, I need to be better. Yeah. Because they're bouncing him left and right. Yeah. And he realizes he's the guy they're bouncing. You know what that means? We don't care where you're playing right now. So then he realized, I need to be better. And he won the job. And this is when Josh Lug, Josh Lug is moving into that stage of his life where. If he wants to win the job, he has to right. go out and win the job as opposed mm-hmm. to just, oh, the coaches really like him. He's talented, which yeah, he right. is. But it's it's not about waiting your turn anymore. No. And I don't know. You know, center's a funny position if you haven't played it before. I don't know. Maybe they've tried to look at center. It's like, wow, this is just isn't going to work. Yeah, but I've been more had inclined to try to, so many guys at center. Remember yeah. with Watt and all those guys? Yeah. Watt's like, I can't play center. It's yeah. just, just, <laughs> sometimes it's not that easy to no, do. No. It just, it, it, <laughs> it took it muster for a few years. And yeah. he was recruited and groomed to be it. I talked to Sam Musfer about learning about learning center. He said, do you know how hard it is to learn to snap a football and not get drilled? Like, he had to sit there and just practice snapping, and then that's for a month of getting – then getting your hands up. Right. And, and so, not getting right. smashed. Sometimes we expect centers to, to plow people like guards and tackles yeah. do, but they just can't because – You have to absorb t- some hits, right? right? The, mm-hmm. the timing of everything. <clears throat> At Dylan Ellie underscore. What signs point to Ian Book avoiding the second-year dip that promising breakout quarterbacks tend to have during the Brian Kelly era? Uh, I, I wish that I had more signs to offer, honestly, because like the receivers could be better, but might not be. Um, I think you know Miles Boykin is significant. Dexter Williams gone is significant. Sam Mustafer is gone is significant. So it's and the fact that they're going to have to score more because the defense won't be good is probably the most significant part of that. So. You know, I think that Ian Book's second year, it will look different than the first year, but I don't think every difference will be an improvement, if that makes sense statistically. I mean, I think he, maybe he'll turn the ball over a little bit more and have more touchdown passes. 
Maybe he'll run a little bit more, but lose a couple more fumbles. I, I just, I think that his his improvement is going to have to include taking more chances. Some of those will work out. Some of them won't. It'll, but he's he's it, not everything is going to. He's not. You're not just going to look at his stat and be like, let's improve the good stats and turn down the bad stats. I think it's it's just not going to be that smooth. I think it's fair to say that two of his three. Worst games. And USC wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't great. Right. Know, he, like he was in the five best games he played. Two of his three worst games, there was indecision involved with Pittsburgh and Clemson. Clemson can cause indecision because of all the yeah, All-Americans Pittsburgh running was, around. Pittsburgh was the week of the, the uh, Barstool revelation, quote, revelation that he was going to be. I give it was. Was it? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. I give that. Yeah, because he came back from Virginia. Oh, yeah. 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 I would... I would so give that I, a quarter I think before that, he should get his decision making back. Yeah, though. yeah. No, he, I mean he didn't play. You know, he didn't play well until yeah. he had to play well. Yeah, and and that's a that's a great sign. But my point was USC and Clemson are also at the end of the year. Uh, I don't know what you would grade him for Syracuse, but it wasn't one of his four best games. Okay, I have to post injury. He, he had he had a broken rib when he played USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and Syracuse and Syracuse, right? Not, not Clemson, right? And a kidney yeah. contusion. Right, makes it hard too. I, I would just say, and I'm not trying to give Brian Kelly a pass, but well, first of all. If you want Book to have a, a, a good second season, don't create a quarterback controversy like you did for Kaiser when he was coming back after a great first season. I don't think that's going to happen. Think that'll ha- I don't think that will happen. Uh, I think one people, some people want that to happen, but I don't think that will happen. The other thing is, and I said this throughout the 2016 season, they lost Fuller, uh, Chris Brown, and Amir Carlisle, their top three receivers, and he just didn't have as good of a receiving core to throw to in, in 2016. So it's not just the quarterback, and I'm not trying to give Brian Kelly a pass. I'm really not. But there are, there are other circumstances involved, mainly offensive line and wide receivers. Yeah, and I think Book's going to run into some of those similar circumstances. It's not as precipitous as a drop from 15 to 16 at the receiver position or the offensive line position. No, it should be. I mean, I think the, still a, the O-line still should be better. I think, the, I think the O-line should be better. I, think I mean, I know they don't have muster, but... Four returning players and losing one, the O-line should be better. And they okay. have five returning players with Ruland, too. I know I mean, he's, not, he's not as good as Mustafer, but right. you have all those guys should be getting better. If they don't, that's... They don't, there's a new Notre Dame problem. If this offensive line, Leah Eikenberg, Robert Hainsey, Tommy Kramer, and Aaron Banks don't get better... Going into this year, that's an issue because Nordy mm-hmm. has to have yeah. a better offensive no, line. No, absolutely. Than they have. I, I mean, I expect Aaron Banks to take yeah. a big jump up. It's you know, Kramer has his physical limitations, but he should be clearly at his best. Yeah, and, and I think Eichenberg's going. I think Eichenberg's going to take a, another significant yeah. step. And it's like receiver. It's Claypool should be fine and think is good. You know, you're really banking on Austin and Young to take huge step forwards. Which and then Komet over Mac for sure, for sure. is going to be an improvement. As a program, you should you better be able to get something out of Kevin Austin, Young, Wilkins, Jones, <laughs> Lindsey, so. right? Yeah. That's why they're there. Yeah, you that's why Mike yourself, well, next year they'll be fine. Right. <laughs> my my credit, you know, when everybody was freaking out about Lindsey and Keys playing in a bowl game. I, if you want to freak out about Austin and and Young not playing a significant role, I get it, but but I mean that's just that's that's. But it's so, time for all of them to be competitive. No, there's players no now. no, there's no doubt, and Joe Wilkins um, as well. Uh, at T underscore Olkowski, go Knights. Are there any grad transfers out there that Notre Dame might look at? Are there any Notre Dame players out there that might be lost to transfer uh, besides Wimbush, Morgan, and Dutreadway? Yes. yes. 
Yeah, I mean, Devin Sutzel, I think we probably talked about on the podcast, is like he was close to leaving before last season started, and the coaches sort of talked him into returning. Um, but I think... And he know, was an early entry, so he should be he should in have position two years. to... Mm-hmm. Well, not two years. He played a year. He should have one year of eligibility and should be able to leave soon. I mean, yeah. I think maybe this would be, this should have to be his last semester. He, you wouldn't think yeah. he would have to uh, continue uh, Jav- Javon McKinley is, is a... Is a candidate as well. I hate to, I, I really yeah. hesitate to answer questions like this, but... Stutz still is a little bit more of a known quantity right, in but, this situation. Right, but there, we've gotten some indication that McKinley might be con- making that consideration too. I hate I hate to, I don't like to talk about that because maybe some kids just want to get their Notre Dame, you know, degree and they're content with it, but now with the early entry and opportunity to graduate early, it gives you opportunities. But in answer to the second question, Studstill and McKinley look like guys that could very well not be with the program. Yeah, in the fall. I mean, I think you're just sort of looking for upperclassmen who have been passed by underclassmen. That that's usually the, right. the formula for for transfers. Now, as far as grad transfers, I, I would think that they they might be open minded about a, a wide receiver. Although they did that a couple of years ago, and that didn't it didn't. I mean, they didn't find the talent. It's hard that to find talent. I, I I would almost be against bringing in a another Cam Smith type to take away reps from five sophomores that should be able to get on the field and be your fourth best receiver. Yeah, I, I agree. If you can't have – you have Claypool and Fink and Young and Austin and then all the guys that haven't played. All those guys that haven't played, you should be able to get two of them up to speed this year. And Young and Austin absolutely should well, be. Well, and the same way with linebackers. they got a whole bunch of linebackers. And, I mean, I mean, what you got? you're going to bring a grad transfer in at linebacker and then just stunt the growth of, of those guys. And I, I, and I get the question. And Nose I, tackle is fine. Defensive tackles, fine. If you could find a Scott Pagano type yeah. Oh, yeah. from a few yeah. years ago, yeah. that would well, be that the one been, I would take. That would have been nice. There and aren't many of those guys out there. There aren't many running backs either, but um, if there's a Cam Smith type of running back, I might tape. Does that make sense? I mean, a guy Tavian that's Feaster a, was thinking Tavian, about it. Well, Tavian Feaster was, is a no-doubt no-brainer, but that's Merry Christmas if yeah. he shows up. So let's go between Tavian Feaster and Cam Smith level. I would take that on at Notre Dame running back. I know Cam Smith's because a wide receiver, the, but he's a former starting player. But yeah. I mean, you're you're saying because of the personnel situation yeah, that they, right now. they have right now. I don't right think now. that's a problem taking on a one-year guy at running back at all, if he's good. Yeah. I bad gra- bad grand transfers that's, are always a bad idea. I mean, that's just not a position where you feel like you're stunting anyone's growth necessarily. Like, right. you want to get Austin Lindsay keys into the mix, whereas I think the you don't need to have feed Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister reps. Yeah, you've got to, you know, you, I mean, you got to, you got to force those guys to take a next step in their game. The right. wide receivers, you just have to. Uh, at Tony G underscore NJ, how do you grade the two incoming freshmen from New Jersey, John Olmstead, offensive lineman, and Howard Cross, defensive lineman? I was lower on Olmstead than our whole staff. I believe I had him. I don't think the, so. I don't oh, no, think I'm right down there. Okay, you had Cross higher than the rest of the staff, yes. right? That was um, actually actually while you guys discussed this, pulled this up. It's not that hard. But uh, yeah, I did not. Have, I had Olmstead distant fourth for the offensive lineman. Um, yeah. Just to be fair to the mm-hmm. question, and um, obviously I had Cross well below. I, I mean, I, I liked uh, Spears more than Pete did, <laughs> and we all liked Lacey, so I had Cross well below, well below Spears on this list. But Tim was pretty. You had you had some upsides for Cross, right? That, I I love his skill set. <laughs> I the the problem is he doesn't fit the dimensions. I, I think his skill set if he if he can be. I know he comes in as a strong side defensive end. If he can be stout enough on the interior, man, I mean, he has he has Sheldon Day like quickness off the snap of the football. 
I'm not saying he's going to be Sheldon Day. I'm just saying that is an asset that he possesses. Yeah, I feel like Cross says there's a lot of upside there, and I'm curious to see where his career goes. I look at Olmstead, and I feel like a lot of times when you recruit offensive linemen who are already 310 pounds or something, it's just like, all right, where is he going to go physically from from here? Um, so I think that's, that's sort of why I, I think Cross is just more interesting to me because you just don't – I mean, it might go nowhere. Um, you know, he might just be a rotation player for four years. I don't know. but Or, or he could develop into something pretty yeah, unique. I'm, sure. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do, especially since I've kind of gone out on a limb on him a few times, including when I did his, his film review last year. But uh, I think Olmstead has just uh, technique issues that he, that he has to solve before he's a viable option on the interior is he still listed as a tackle? Because he's going he's to be an interior. He, he won't be a tackle, though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, not fair. To We have to evaluate him as a guard. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I really think it's also, should point out, that we like the other offensive lineman quite a bit, too. So when he's universally we, fourth... It's, we love the other You can the other be universally fourth, and it lineman. doesn't mean that you're not going to be good. We so all have the other three. Yeah. We The other three offensive linemen we have in our top... Ten. Six, or, seven, yeah, seven. Yeah, seven probably. Seven or eight. In the class. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, like, look, last year, Sam Mustafer was the... Offensive lineman are like third best from that yeah. class Although because he wasn't as good as Quentin Nelson or Alex Bars. Right. Okay. Right. I didn't. I didn't. Not, I did not like Christophic's. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like Christophic's performance in the U.S. Uh, in the All American game. Um, but that list of players is long. You cannot like the list. But of yeah, it is. It is. All, all I Trevor Lawrence was bad in that yeah, game. Yeah. All I could go on was what I mean. I can't. All I can go on is what I see on that day, and it wasn't a great day right. for him, but sure. he's, a, he's a very good prospect. Wash ND. What is ND going to do about defensive tackle depth next season? Right now there are only three non-injured, non-freshman DTs available for depth next season in MTA, Heinish, and Adamiola. Did I say it right? Adamiola. Got it. See? It's, it's changed, by the way, since we... Since he was signed. Uh, doesn't that seem pretty scary for the middle of the line when you also add on the fact that the inside linebackers will be pretty green? Well, yes. I mean, uh, yes. You're onto something. Yes, Andy. I'm scared. No, I'm not scared. Yeah. I, I mean, Jacob Lacey, okay, yeah, he's a freshman, but that's a really good freshman, and so he's in the mix right away, and he's going to be he's here right now, as a matter of fact. Yes. If, I mean, not in this room. He's already taking classes. If the rest, If they stay healthy. And that includes Franklin being back after basically he's going to miss the spring. I think I don't know if people understand the Franklin injury is also a bad injury. Yeah, he's he, out, he's, he's out, out for the spring. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I don't know how good he will be in September, or October. Maybe he'll be really good. Maybe he can be a good backup in October when you're. Right. It'll be twelve and a half months after tearing your. Yeah, quad. but he, I mean it's um, a concern because you don't Spears. You know we, he tore his ACL, ACL in November. In November, so that's, he's out next year, right? As a freshman defensive tackle that tore his ACL during the previous season. That's, yeah, freshman's that's not going to come in without training and then be like, <laughs> sure, yeah, you yeah. can play defensive yeah. tackle. Uh, it's for, good that he's at Notre Dame now. That'll that'll yes, help his progress. Sure but uh, yeah, it's an issue. I, you know, I mean, can. In the spring, they really don't have enough bodies inside right now, and that's why this is a question we erase because it goes along with yeah. this. With 16 offensive linemen, Darnell Ewell being one of them, it is completely nonsensical not to move him back for the spring, not only for him, but for your team, because he can rep and help yourself, help yeah, your team he, in the spring. He has he to move. can't rep on I would think line. he has to move because he's not, you know, I, he's not in a position to really compete for a starting spot in offensive guard. Right. So ever. <laughs> probably, no, not, that's pro- not no, even probably true. Ever. Why probably. would he? They have so many good recruits coming in yeah. every year. Why would he mm-hmm. compete as a starting guard? Probably true. I don't know what other options. I think somebody mentioned um, 
Ogun Deji, and I just don't. I mean, because he's got a bigger yeah. frame, but it's yeah. he he doesn't have that much weight, and he'd have to gain. I mean, that's just you're you're going to invest a lot into trying to make him something that he's probably not going to be. That's where a guy like maybe Cross, you know, I listed him for his first year as an interior player because yeah. they have to do it. You have you're they're out they're Edens are deep, man. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, impressive but, the Edens at this point. They, but what's the but what about the future at the strong side defensive end position? I don't well, know Logan that you're, Dandry would be next year's starter. Mm-hmm. Um, in his last in his last year, year of eligibility, year, yep. I would assume Justin would be moved at that point to that side as opposed to being a drop end when you have Osafa Mensa, you have you probably have Foskey coming in. Yeah. I mean I th- I think this I think Nana is gonna move over to the strong side as well. But. That's that's been my impression yeah. exactly all along. They haven't told him that. Uh but I, I just don't and this is something that Kevin Sinclair has talked about and written about extensively that you know, there's a concern about just the depth at that strong side defensive end spot. Get out your depth chart, break it down, and look where they have to move drop yeah. ends to. And it's the strong side. One drop end moves to that yeah. side. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think probably the, for a point of reference, 2017, Tungo and Kurt Heinrich played a lot. How much did they play? Tungo finished with about 300 snaps, and Heinrich was about 180, 190. So Tungo was twice as much as Micah Dutreadway this year. And Heinrich is about 40, 50 snaps more. Yeah, That's, so next year, I think yeah. that you can bank on Jacob Lacey probably playing about 300 snaps, yeah, and that's, which is a big number. Yeah. I, I like Lacey quite but a I bit. Think, but he's, I think he's going to be physically yeah. prepared to do that. He'll be... The key for Lacey for me is that the guys in front of him stay healthy. So he's not yeah. stretched. No, yeah, also, no doubt. The key for Lacey is Lacey staying healthy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, he yeah. can get hurt, too. You see a lot of freshmen that come in, they just you know, get beat around. They don't know how to rehab. Like, it. You get knocked off, uh, knocked off the horse a little bit. It's hard to get back on. So they, they need the freshman class not to come in and be impact players right away, but they need them to all click. You know, in the same way that like, you know, Alex Bars as a freshman, the staff knew he was a hit, mm-hmm. even though he did not see the field. Quentin Nelson, they knew he was a hit, <laughs> even though he didn't they, see the field. Freshman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you they, see Quentin Nelson's picture? Yeah, of course. Before yeah, that Colts game. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, they what? look. They just they need the freshman class of defensive linemen to, in the same way they needed the linebackers last year. And I have no idea whether they they made the impression or not. Um, to like, all right, these are guys we can build around because um, after next year they're going to have to start yeah. building around them. Yeah. Last question from Maddie Hebs fourteen. Are who are your guys' early favorites? to be next year's captains, which is really a great question because when Julian Love and Miles Boykin yeah, walked out the, the door. Those two guys right those there. Are, I mean, clearly Love was, and I think Boykin had, had ascended to that type of role within this uh, within this program that they easily would have been captains next year. But remove those two, and it becomes a lot more difficult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Alohi Gilman, yep. for sure, 100%. Um, I, I think Alohi Gilman... Probably like if you said who are the defensive leaders next year and Julian Love was still on the teams, I would still put Alohi Gilman. Oh yeah, number one. Yeah, Love uh, would be a captain though. Next Love year. would be a captain, but Alohi Gilman would be the captain. He uh, brings, I mean, he brings the exact attitude to the field that right. you want. Yes. Uh, so offen- who's one offensively? It may have Good to be question. the court. It's maybe it's the quarterback. He's and, a senior quarterback starter. 
that's the MVP of your team the previous season. Yeah. And I kind of I agree with Pete's shaking his head. I agree with that sentiment of I'm not sure about that. <laughs> no, he's itching his eye. Yeah. No, really but it, I also it, shaking my head. It, it was, it, it I was a, do two things at once. <laughs> 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 but, um, a, lot of, a lot of the senior quarterbacks couldn't. That's yeah. why they were captains. But look, it's only been one. It was Kaiser and he left. <laughs> he was named. Oh, right, he was right, named right. and they said yeah. no thanks and left. Yeah. Um, he's, Ian Book is a returning MVP senior starting quarterback. Yeah. Uh, with an offensive line that there's no obvious captain at all, with a running back, there's a zero percent chance it's a running back. The only chance at wide receiver would be Fink, and he he is more of a in the room leader than a team captain to me. I mean, I think Chris Fink's an extremely respected player, and everybody will follow him in that receiver room. And just I don't look. Tyler Newsom was a captain, and so was Austin Webster. Right, so, so Chris could, Fink yeah, could be a no, captain. It could happen. But do you think Chris Fink team captain, or do you think Chris Fink is a good leader in that wide receiver room? That's, good leader in the yeah. SWAT team leader. Uh, like you that's know, the sub captain. He, he's definitely a SWAT team. Leader. Beyond that, it's Kareem. No, uh, Trevor yeah. Ruin. I, he I mean, to, he's fighting for his. You as know, long he's as he's, fight not, for as long he's not fighting for the job, Trevor Ruin could be a, a, a team captain. Uh, you know, I mean, Dalen Hayes. I, I don't know that that is something that he needs on his plate I don't per think that's se. Good for him necessarily. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, Chase Claypool's Ian not Book. going to be a, a <laughs> yes, no. Book, 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 Book makes and, sense, right? Book and Book and Gilman, I think, are virtually automatic. And who would be a third captain? Who are we? Who are captains? we missing? I, I mean, I went through the uh, list. Of... You're not because you're not missing a running back, and you're not missing another wide receiver if it's not Fink. And it's not going to be the junior tight ends. And Jalen Elliott is a team leader more so than all the offensive guys we just named. But they, you know, that would be. I don't know if you have Gilman and Elliott, but that, that Brian Kelly doesn't look at it that way, where you can't have two guys from a defensive backfield. No, yeah. Then no, they have like three yeah. offensive. Uh, yeah, they had like nine, nine of them yeah. at one point. There's uh, there's no so is linebacker. this a huge concern? I guess we'll wrap it up with that. Is this a huge concern that we're having such a difficult time? I think it might I mean, be a maybe, concern if Ian Book can't be named a captain for some I'm, reason. I'm more concerned about Washington's question than I am about <laughs> yeah. Matty Hebb's 14. I'm more concerned about like how many defensive tackles do they have opposed to who are the captains? I, like I think. That side of Book's not named a captain, yes or no? Uh, neither. Not, neither for it doesn't you. do anything okay. for me. Um, the, in terms of like the SWAT team leaders, I think that they'll they'll have guys like because I mean that's that's what gets you through the off season. I think. Yeah. You know, it's it's the it's yeah, the guy who's in charge of your eight guys. I don't know if they had eight, seven, eight, or nine, but like you know, the Fink, Book, Gilman, Elliot, you know, I. Kareem. I mean, actually, Kareem you know, could do that. Clay, Claypool sure. would would probably yeah. be good at that. Maybe, Ru- yeah. Ruland will do that for sure. No, I think um, that's Komet could do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think once once the season gets going next year, it's like Alohi Gilman, and then I think it's yeah, no, sort I, of everybody else. I agree, and and you know, Ian Book's got a lot of other things to worry about. Other yeah. than, you know, being, that's part of the reason he doesn't name his quarterbacks captain is there's other yeah. things going on for those guys. Yeah, to come out and talk but anyway. I think. I think I mean, I think he would handle that just fine. I, I think, think that he would too. Fits, yeah. his, fits his personality uh, very well. Okay, we're in. A, we're going to wrap it up with that. We're going to be back next Thursday. Uh, what's that? January twenty fourth, and uh, we don't know exactly what we'll be talking about. But uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of information come our way and a lot of stuff to to discuss. And so we appreciate you joining us today. We'll be back next Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.